This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Writing in the Jewish Report a few weeks back, Tony Feinberg, looking at the consequences of the lockdown in the tourist sector, noted the following. For Terry Garfinkel, the lockdown couldn't have come at a worse time, as her lifelong dream, Madluli Safari Lodge, opened in January in an exciting and unique partnership with the local community. Only six weeks later, it was forced to close. The opening of the Madluli Lodge was the culmination of a 20-year journey that saw the Madluli community partner with a guest lodge for the benefit of both parties. Terry, who is Brand and Marketing Director for Madluli Safari Lodge, joins me now to tell me more. Terry, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Terry, uh, 20 years in the making, it finally opened. Tell me, tell me the history of the lodge. So it's an interesting one. Um, I've actually been hearing about this project since I was 18 years old, um, and I'm now nearing on my 40s. Um, and this is a project that my dad's been involved in. So, you know, we were recently at the lodge because it opened um, just a couple of weeks ago, and he made a speech. We were there for Shabbos, and he made a speech, and he just talked about how these 20 years have been written into his life and what the journey's been. Um, and I got involved a couple of years ago, and it's, you know, it's amazing to be involved in a, in a project that's got so many different elements and obviously one that's, that's seen this dream from my dad kind of come to being. Madluli community were living in the Kruger Park during the 60s during apartheid. What happened? So um, it's an amazing story. They, they used to reside on the land and the then government in the late 60s decided to expand the borders of the Kruger Park. And kind of as was done and, and acceptable for the time, the trucks arrived, picked up this community and literally, you know, removed them to the other side of the tracks. And in fact, many of those people are, you know, are still alive. It was the 60s and, and you speak to them today and they still recall the day that those trucks arrived and moved them off their land. How did your dad get involved? So my dad was actually approached some 20 years ago. Um, you know, it was the early days of democracy. It was the whole kind of era of the rainbow nation. Um, and it was presented to him as an investment opportunity to his private equity fund. And I think with the prospect of all this, you know, significant social upliftment baked into, baked into the pro, pro uh, into the project, he decided to pursue it. Um, I think, you know, he had no idea what 20 years kind of were ahead of him because, you know, the dynamics of putting together private sector and community partnership was no easy task. No, it's not an easy task. And there are lots of different players in every community. So what was the next step? And what was, the, I mean, the, the Madluli community claimed back their land successfully. I'd just like to know the process of how it happened. Sure. So um, it was the late chief, M.Z. Mdluli. He was a very charismatic man, few words of English. Um, he passed away in 1998, and he's been, uh, it's his son, who is the first son, um, first son of the first wife, who is the current chief, M.I. Mdluli, um, who's kind of taken on the vision. But it was the late chief who really had this, you know, he had this absolutely um, tenacity to go about reinstating the land and reclaiming it for his people. And he worked really hard to persuade, it was the then Minister of Land Affairs, Derek Hanekom, who subsequently became the Minister of Tourism, and he was relentless in in pursuing the return of his land to, to his people. So this is privately owned land now in the Kruger Park, is that correct? 
That's correct, and it's, it's a first and it's really a last because what will happen today is if there's an issue of a land claim, the land will be valued and it will be remunerated financially. This is a really unique scenario where the Mbluli community have been given back their land. The Mbluli community trust own the land. Um, and they have, you know, they have rights to the land on which the lodge has been developed as a sustainable tourism initiative. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really unique scenario to have non-state owned land inside the borders of the Kruger National Park with no fences in between. Tell me a little bit about the lodge. So the lodge is, yeah, you've got to get there. The lodge is, um, as I say, I was just there a couple of weeks and having not been there through, through COVID and through all the months of lockdown, you almost forget just how magnificent it is because even when you're indoors, you feel like you're outdoors. I think the architecture is just, is so magnificent. So it's tented luxury inside the park. So there's 50, that's five zeros. There's 50 luxury tents. Um, and it's just the way the land has been considered. Each tent has got its own private patio. There's views directly into the park. So there's this, you know, magnificent infinity pool. And, uh, we had a whole bunch of guests leaning over the balustrade, you know, from breakfast, just watching this herd of elephant come through and chase away the zebra. And we've seen sable and buffalo and giraffe all while you're sitting having breakfast or having a little dip in the pool. So I think it's really a little slice of, you know, just a, a slice of magic inside the Kruger. It's just five hours from Gauteng. Where exactly is the lodge? So you would drive from Joburg, it's about five hours. You would do your typical stop over at Millie's, get your trap pate as everyone stops for. Um, and then you go in through Numbi Gate. And actually you go through over the cattle grate and you're in Numbi. Uh, you know, once you, once you're through that gate, you're inside the park and before you get to that security boom, you would turn off down a private road. So the lodge is very much once you, once you're in the park, uh, your drive to the lodge can take anything from 20 minutes or more, depending on how many elephants you find along the way. Terry, is it a different kind of ex- Kruger Park experience to the one you would normally have with regards to sand parks? The, the lodge really presented a unique opportunity in that you know, it's not so many of the luxurious tented camps are aimed at an international audience. And while Mbluli is not going to, you know, you're not going to pick up a rate there that's the same as a Sandparks or a Rondavel at, you know, Skakuza, um, it's not, it's not positioned at that really top tier high end of the luxurious market. And I think that's found a unique gap. You know, I mean, my background is branding and marketing, and it's been a, an absolute privilege working on building the story around this brand. And you know, how you create a space for a new experience for a South African guest. And obviously at the moment, I mean, we were amazingly, we were sold out last weekend and look to be this weekend as well. Um, and, you know, what is it? It's a South African guest who said, look, I kind of want a little bit of an upgrade from what I remember and what my kids threw me in the back. You know, my parents, I remember as a kid, I was in the back of the combi and I did all these amazing holidays in the Kruger. But now I feel like I want something a little bit more luxurious, but I'm not going to completely indulge in those super, super luxury lodges. So I think it's a unique um, proposition to sit, you know, to find that unique space in the market. Um, and I think the fact that it's a community project is is a really beautiful draw card because, you know, we use the line, uh, feel good and leave something good behind because the, the community partnership is so deeply baked into what this lodge is about. The decor is Siswati, authentic to the Siswati tradition. The, the lodge staff, I mean, 
the development of the lodge, the actual construction of it, most of them working for the first times in their lives. The current staff of the lodge, 90% of them come out of the community. You know, guests pay a 40 rand each night. They pay a bed levy. goes directly to the community. And we've got lots and lots. I mean, this is just, we could talk for hours, but um, there's so many lines of connection between us and the community, and I think that really comes through in the experience. We're working on an amazing artwork for the dining room now, which is a cross-generational beadwork project between the elders of the community and the younger generation. And so we've really um, you know, we've really put a lot of attention on the respect and the authenticity of the relationship between us and the community. When COVID hit, you were just just starting out. It must have been awful, Terry. <laughs> It, it was actually, uh, you know, it's almost like it's just a really bad joke to take 20 years to get the gates open and six weeks in to have to close them again. It was really, um, it was just something nobody could ever anticipate. And, and the shock of it was that our forward occupancies, our bookings internationally and locally were looking so strong. And suddenly you just watched your, you know, that email came through with the occupancies and you just watched all these red lines come through and all these minuses come through as the bookings were cancelled for, for the foreseeable future. And at the time of writing the article, you talk about we had no idea when we would reopen. There was whispers that it would be, you know, December or January or 2021. Um, and I think, you know, I mentioned in the article, I feel really proud of what, what the team was able to do during the months of lockdown because this was a lodge that was really known to very few people. We'd had few guests in the six weeks of opening, um, and we really kind of put our heads down and said, how do we build a story here that has a real sense of purpose and a real sense of authenticity so that people know that staying at Mbuli Safari Lodge is the Big Five experience, there's the tented experience, there's the community experience. You know, we really want people to feel what is special about this lodge, and, and as I say, we've really tried to build that into into the guest experience at the lodge. As you said, tourism was one of the worst hits industries during COVID-19, but you've already got bookings for the next weeks. So is it picking up quite quickly? And are you optimistic? I am optimistic. I think, um, I think tourism, because of this massive knock, has had to take a long, hard look at itself. I think, um, you know, from what I've been reading, it's really, I think there's opportunities for hospitality destinations to focus on their guest experience because, I mean, you see the rates are slashed everywhere you look. People, you're picking up things that, I don't know, up to 70% off what a normal rate would be at from top, top, top ran property that normally would be attracting only international guests. So I think when you look at a domestic market, you need to look quite differently um, you know, at what you're offering. South Africans are very accustomed to a trip to the Kruger, seeing an elephant is not like an international guest coming through. So, you know, you need to kind of rethink and regear yourself um, around what you offer. Terry, how would one go about booking? So how would one go about booking? Um, is the best thing to do is to just jump onto the website, which is mdluli, that's M-D-L-U-L-I, mdluli safari lodge.co.za. Um, and all the information is there, or you could find us on um, Instagram at, at mdluli lodge. You mentioned at the beginning that uh, this was a, a slice of magic at a time after COVID. Um, I know I haven't traveled yet. I know I'm yearning to go. I'm sure so many others are, and I think it's a, a fantastic initiative. You know, Terry, so often you go to the Kruger Park and you drive past areas that are that, that, that don't look like they've benefited from tourism at all. In fact, they don't look like they've changed a hang of a lot since 
you went maybe 20 years earlier. So I think it's absolutely amazing that there is this 50-50% partnership between a community and a private venture. And um, I think it's an exciting opportunity to explore and do good at the same time. So thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I think the main thing um, to say about this lodge, I mean, I think there is the guest experience and all the things we've talked about, but, you know, it's it's a completely unique model who's actually, which has actually caught the attention of the president's office now. Um, in fact, we've got someone visiting the lodge through today because this is a possible model for community private sector development in South Africa going forward because this, you know, you've got so many philanthropic projects or commercially viable projects, but the fact to have the two, as you say, in that 50-50 relationship, you know, we've got a responsibility to deliver attractive returns to our investors. We've got a responsibility for the returns to the community. We've got a responsibility to meet the objectives of sandparks. As you say, they have these impoverished communities on their borders um, that they themselves um, have to undertake their, their upliftment and transformation. We've got environmental best practice and anti-poaching, which we're involved in those initiatives, and the amazing guest experience. So I think collectively, this is a, this is a completely disruptive model uh, for anything that you've seen before. It sounds absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. That was Terry Garfinkel talking about McLuley Safari Lodge.